You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for The Eternal Daughter, Joanna Hogg, and the film star, Tilda Swinton. Mom, we're here. We'd like to check in, please. My mother has a relationship with this house. She was here when she was young. Are we the only people staying here? I don't know. There was a sound. I'm sure other people have mentioned it to you. Mom? That's strange, because nobody else has mentioned anything at all. You brought her here. Memories flood back in this place. Quietly in the evening, through the building and on the grounds. Hello? And I suppose it is a way of staying in touch. The longer we're here, the more it comes back. The dread. What kind of dread? I just want you to be happy. I'm trying all the time. This place prompted memories. That's what rooms do. They hold these stories. Some of them are uncomfortable. We're here now. And that was then. I'm not sure I feel I have a right to do such a thing. It feels like trespassing. Happy birthday, Mom. To us. First of all, Joanna Hogg, Tilda Swinton, what a pleasure. So excited to be talking with both of you about, Joanna, your latest film, uh, The Eternal Daughter. And this is the third time that uh, the two of you have uh, worked together following The Souvenir Part 1 and Part 2. I want to know what it is about your working relationship that has continually brought the two of you uh, back together now. Well, the fact is, Matt, this is actually not the third, but the fourth time that we work together because because, uh, we made Joanna's graduation film together in 1983 ah <laughs> i missed that one that's true we made it we made a film before that which has never which has never would never be completed actually so we've been we've been friends for a very 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 long time in fact since we were children and um when joanna was at film school she asked me to work with her on her graduation film and another film which as i say it's not yet been finished so, um, so coming together to make the souvenir films was actually already a reunion. Uh, it wasn't the first time at all. Gotcha. But, but what is it that brings us? I mean, we are the closest of friends. We love the same cinema. We want to make the same shapes. There's, 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 there's no rules. There's, there's no, yeah, boundaries to what we talk about and how deep we go and, 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 for me, the experience of shooting The Eternal Daughter more than The Souvenirs, because, of course, Tilda wasn't there all the time when we were shooting, unfortunately. Um, but The Souvenir, I had her every day, in every frame, and it was uh, a, a, a total delight. Um, but, but importantly, what it allowed us to do was have continuation of a conversation we've had all our lives, but to go very deeply into a conversation about our mothers and ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear, I think, when people watch The Eternal Daughter that there is a thematic continuation here uh, from the souvenir, Joanna, in relationship to your mother and Tilda. I imagine, too, uh, there also had to be uh, a personal connection uh, throughout this piece as well. Uh, 
Yeah, I was going to say, can you talk about like just the collaboration process on how both of you are able to come together to essentially uh, incorporate elements of your own personal relationships with your mothers through this project? Well, 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 I, well, I mean, the, the, uh, a lot of that's to do with the process in which we made the film. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know if you know, but I don't write a conventional looking screenplay. So the dialogue is not on the page. Mm. It's created um, at the time of filming uh, with my actors. Um, and so that, so, but what was interesting about this and a challenge is of course, um, there was no conversation that Tilda could have with someone else. She was having a conversation with herself. Right. Um, and, and, and I wondered, I questioned whether I would be able to work in the way that I normally work. But of course, we found a way. And um, I mean, without getting into too much detail, with the, the, our conversations with, with each other became a starting point for the conversations between Julie and Rosalind. And so we, uh, we talked and then, and then Tilda um, is remarkable because she's yeah, playing these two characters, but she's having to jump from one to the other, sometimes with a bit of gap in between. Uh, for makeup and and able to pick up a conversation she had on her own as Julie, then with Rosalind, and for it to be seamless in in so many ways, and 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 her ability to be to embody each character so distinctly. But it was a it was a it was a very yeah it was a very detailed process. I think one of the reasons that this mode of working. Um, is so inspired and inspiring, and by the way, is so completely what I'm interested in, is Mm -hmm. that um, even the greatest uh, screenwriters, and and a lot of screenwriters, in my view, make the mistake of of, of writing like playwrights. You know, this is not theater we're making here. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply mm-hmm. uh, but even even a lot of good screenwriters make, in my view, my humble opinion, the mistake of making their people too articulate and making them answer each other, make them capable of listening to each other and meeting the point. And this is not my personal experience of life. And as a performer, it's something that I've always been looking for, this Mm -hmm. inarticulacy, this missing, this, this, um, this, is struggling to communicate. And Joanna's, um, Joanna's way of working allows for that. It allows, it's, a, it's like the air rushes in. It's like, oh, at last, it's possible to say only what it's possible for that person to come up with at the moment and not more. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it's possible to not really hear properly and to, and to miss it. And that's 
I think, real grace. And in particular in this film, when, as, as Jana says, you're dealing with, I was in the position of playing both sides of the, of the, of the tennis uh, net. Um, that was, you know, particularly uh, rich because one little gesture, one little uh, word that one says, being a mother or a daughter, mm -hmm. might, you know, spark a response in the other or might be missed by the other in a way that any sort of self-respecting, good Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright and screenwriter might not think is grace. They might think, oh, no, 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 that person's got to hear that and say, what did you mean by that? Or, you know, they might just get too neat. And the yeah. lack of neatness around the communication between the, between the characters, I think, is, is, is real poetry. And Joanna is onto that with all of her films, but particularly with this one, I think. Particularly with this, and it, and, it, and it's really because, partly because my interest lies in the future. I'm not, I'm not interested in, yeah, words on a page that I have to refer to. It's all about what's in front of me and then what it's going to become. And it's, uh, it just feels more dynamic. It's just more, it's just more interesting. It's a very organic way of working. I, I, I didn't realize how, how natural uh, it, it was, like you said, like discovering it on set like that. That's all the more remarkable for me that the movie actually turns out as cohesive as it does. Well, I, I mean, it's, 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 me I think it's deceptive. I mean, I, I, it, it, it's deceptive. I mean, tell the skill in creating these two characters is not to be underestimated. And I no. think the, 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 it's so seamless that it seems effortless. But if you knew what what you had to juggle at the time. Well, I was going to say Tilda because, uh, you know, an actor's greatest uh, weapon, they say sometimes, is acting opposite another actor and what energy they're feeding off of in a scene uh, with their scene partner. So did you have to like go and like look at the monitor and see the performance you gave before, before heading on? Like, how did you find this rhythm? I'm not an actor, Matt. It helps. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> no, it's much more. This doesn't sound too opaque. It's much more about energy because given what I said before, Mm -hmm. it, it, it feels like my memory, when you take me back now to remembering the shoot, it feels like every time Julie and Rosalind are together at a table or in the bedroom, there's this sort of big rubber ball in between them, like a massive balloon of difficulty. Yeah. And anything they come up with, whether it's Julie saying, I got you a glass of wine or, or um, you know, Rosalind saying, um, I'm feeling a bit tired today. It's almost like they're the tiniest little salvos. They're like tiny little arrows that are sent out. So that so so every time I I was sat down to remember what it was like to be on the other side of the table, I would visualize this big balloon of difficulty, and that helped. That was the sort of constant. And um, we all know what what it is to sit in a, in a hotel restaurant, see people sitting beside us not saying anything. <laughs> and um, that was always a possibility that these two people didn't talk. Mm -hmm. but given that they do, given that they attempt this communication, it's um, the thing that bound them was this, and I've now committed myself to this image, this ball of difficulty that was constant in between them. Um, and so that was the thing that kept me anchored, if you like. Sure. The skill of the sound edit, extraordinary. And, and also the fact that we made a decision, and this was very much 
uh, Joanna was very brilliant at monitoring this. We made an early decision that they would, and now you've seen the film, Max, so you'll understand why this was so important, that mm -hmm. they should have the same voice. Yes. They look different, but they have the same voice. And I was um, honestly a little nervous about that because I thought that's going to become a complete soup when it's cut together. And how it isn't, I don't know. And that's got everything to do with the skill of the edit and the skill of the sound edit. That you know when you hear something, if you're looking at one of them, that it's coming from the other. I don't know how that works. I'm just a sort of, uh, what's the word? What's a, a, an animal that sort of seems like right. a sort of a terrier, it's, it's ter a terrier for, um, for unnaturalness. So yes. mm -hmm. it was all about, yeah, yeah. The, the speech, yeah, everything feeling very natural and very real. I mean, it creates definitely a very uh, unsettling mood at times uh, because of the disconnect between those two characters. But Joanna, I want to hone in on the craft of the movie. It feels to me when I watch it like almost like horror movies reminiscent of like the 40s and 50s where they were built more on atmosphere, mood, not necessarily on traditional jump scares, but emotionally resonant too. I just want to know like, where did you find this location? And can you talk about lighting it to create uh, that very misty, dark, atmospheric mood, that very gothic sensibility, if you will? Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just first of all, picking up on what you said about the emo that atmosphere and then the emotion that mm -hmm. came partly from reading a short story by Kipling called They, which is a, a ghost story, a very spooky ghost story, but incredibly, uh, an incredibly emotional, personal story to Kipling, I believe. And so that, that, that was a revelation to see that you can have something uh, scary, but also very deep. Um, in an emotional way, and uh, and then in terms of the atmosphere, well, that was just so much fun to uh, to build that up, and of course the location that we started with uh, helped enormously because it has so much atmosphere and so much history. Um, yeah. But I worked with a wonderful production designer called Stefan Collage, and he added so many uh, great details in, into that house to make it even spookier because I went back recently and was surprised how warm feeling it was <laughs> expecting it like the house in the film. Um, so he added a lot. And of course, lighting, um, we decided actually at one point I wanted to shoot it in black and white. Wow. Oh, yes. Uh, I had the same uh, thought while watching it. I was like, this would look great in black and white. Well, do you know, I, I had this thought yes, yesterday that someone should do a, we should do a yeah, black and white version. Let's do it. Because and That's I, a great idea. it would be re really, uh, really fun. And I, uh, but I resisted it in the end because I thought, oh, then it's just going to be too removed somehow. Mm -hmm. But it's very, black and white is gorgeous and it's really tempting because <laughs> it really pulls 
it, it, it immediately gives an atmosphere without really let's trying. Do it. Let's do a silver and white. Silver it, and white. It, it, would, it would be fantastic. <laughs> so, so then having decided against the black and white, I thought, well, we're going to, with Ed Rutherford, wonderful um, director of photography, we'll sort of really reduce the palette. And then in the house, um, there were these wonderful um, uh, exit, green exit lights mm. around the hotel. So we thought, okay, we're going to just push those a bit further and really make a, a, a thing of, of, of the green in the film. And then also, I was sorry, just a sort of palette of very kind of dark midnight blues. Um, Julie wears this dark blue coat and there were a lot of blues in, in the house. So it was it, incredibly exciting to, yeah, to, to build the look of the film and the atmosphere. And then of course, the sound design, uh, yeah, very much leaning into, into uh, sort of gauche genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that yeah, it was very, very, very exciting that uh, that that we had this one house and we could really push it uh, in the direction we wanted to. Yeah, I, I think that when uh, audiences uh, see this film, uh, I think that they're going to definitely uh, connect with it on an emotional level, something that while a lot of contemporary horror films are able to do that on a more visceral level, this is one that I think is going to slowly wash over them and creep its way, no pun intended, uh, into their subconsciousness. And so I'm very much looking forward to more thoughtful conversation on that and also to more collaborations from the two of you in the future, because I think that what you guys have done over the last couple of years has been just really excellent it seems to me like the two of you push each other uh to explore and discover uh new limitations and go beyond those limitations so it's really exciting to say thank you matt absolutely thank you both so so much thanks oh, so thank much. you thank you bye-bye bye-bye Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for The Eternal Daughter, Joanna Hogg, and the film star Tilda Swinton here on The Next Best Picture podcast. The Eternal Daughter is currently playing in theaters from A24 and is available on video on demand. You have been listening to The Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.